Welcome to the Life House Church Beloved Podcast. My name is Lena Hobson and I'm joined here by Carolyn Thomas and Debbie Singh. How are you ladies? Good. How are you? Good. Good. <laughs> we are continuing on again with our series on rejection and strongholds. We spoke um, last podcast about our self-worth and having our worth actually founded on, on Jesus and, and Father God because that's external to us and it can never change based on circumstance or emotion which is totally awesome and we talked a bit about just some of the scriptures um that sort of point to what our worth is you know that we're the apple of god's eyes that we're being adopted into his family we're made in his image you know that father sent his son for us while we were yet sinners so you know we were bought with a price Awesome things like that. Carol, do you have something to say? Yeah. Oh, I do. Was it Shane? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just love, Lena, um, that's the second time I've heard you mention that it's external to us, God's opinion, and I think that is just a powerful statement that people have to really realise because um, because it's external to us and it's the only source in the universe of absolute truth. It's so important that that's where we go to and. I was talking to someone about this earlier that, you know, often um, depending on our moods or where we're at or whatever in our emotional state, we fluctuate and, you know, there may be times when we feel we've let God down by our behaviour or we haven't performed enough or whatever. And and, and to get to that place where you realise that God's acceptance and approval and, and, you know, the worth that he sees in you, it's all because of who he is and it's actually not at all because of who we are. Mm. And if you can really grasp that, then... You can get to a place where, well, yeah, if I do behave badly or something goes wrong or I blow it, I still don't lose my sense of worth in his sight and I don't feel like I have because it's just I have worth because of who he is, not because of my behaviour or who I am. I like it. All right, so we're going to be talking more today of some wisdom from Joyce Meyer. And look at her quote. I realize that many times we respond to other people based on what we ourselves need. Girls, do you have any thoughts on that? Can I just add to that quote? You know, I was reading so we, we respond based on what we ourselves need, or we're responding on the need to feel accepted. Yeah. Um, and I think that statement's really true um, because we respond based on how we think and how we perceive things. And we respond based on our personal worldview, and we've all got our own worldview. And, and um, you know, another thing that comes up here as well, we respond often based on our love languages. Do you remember that book? Was What was it? Gary, Chapman, Gary Chapman, Five Love Languages. Um, yeah, love languages where people respond in different ways. Um, so, for example, if I, if for me, um, I like to receive words of affirmation, then I may um, find myself giving these to others because that's something that I value for myself. And um, you can find, you know, some people respond to others by showing physical affection, hugs, etc., because that's what they like. Unfortunately, we don't all um, have the same language. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, someone might be projecting what they like onto you, and you've just got to be gracious and accept the hugs or whatever if you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> don't let that be a challenge or come and cut me out. Well, I know it's a problem I have, and, you know, I'm sorry. So some perform for acts of service as well, so they might want to cook up a storm for you and, like, try and feed you up and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I was just talking to someone today at work, and um, she's got a, a little girl who's I think six years, five or six, and and she's been going to um, her granny's, which is this lady's mum, 
after school and she's a, an Italian, you know, mother who loves to cook and stuff. And she said, my little girl's like picked up four cages in one week. <laughs> she said, when my mom cooks, if we don't eat it, she's like, you know, that's because that's where she's getting her, you know, and that's yeah. how she likes to shower her love on them. And so, yeah. <laughs> I remember when Grandma and I first got married, I realised his, his love language is really like words of affirmation, love that. But I was coming from a place where really struggle with that because I was like being vulnerable by letting someone know how what I thought about them and how I felt and it was a bit of a painful process and my husband like I, I'm starved you need to give me some love <laughs> <Give> me <words. laughs> yeah. well, well Lena you've given me the courage now to just come out because I had written this personal example which I scribbled out because oh, no, that's too um but, you know, it's funny because I show my affection to people by showering them with gifts or, or buying gifts when I can afford. And that's frustrating when you don't have money because it's like, I oh, show it because um, I love receiving words myself, but I'm very careful with giving them. Like I can give, you know, praise and, and genuine praise and stuff, but to actually write deep words in a card, if I feel there is um, any way that in the future you could be out of my life or you might betray me or something, not to say that everyone that hasn't had words from me in a card account thinking this, but I'm very, very um, seldom will put words in a card for somebody else. So if you haven't got a card, it's <laughs> no, normal. If you have got a card, then that's probably more abnormal. But I mean, you know, I just I love to. I don't. I love to give people things and gifts, and that's how I show. And I struggle more with giving them words, maybe because of the lack of having that put into me. I do, you know, struggle to do to to give deep words. Um, but on the other hand, I would still rather have words coming back at me than gifts. So yeah, mm. it's interesting. Someone can try and work out my psyche there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you think we usually expose or communicate our real needs? Are we sort of yeah. kind of expect people to know without actually... What do you think, <laughs> I think no, we don't. We definitely don't for fear that it might, it might change their opinion of us or, it, like you said, it makes us vulnerable to them. And I think we do when we're desperate or is that just me? <laughs> Probably just you, just needy, <laughs> clingy. <laughs> I'm just joking. I haven't got a card from Carolyn, so now I am. No. <laughs> Come on, I'm toughening you up. We your self-esteem, not what I say. <laughs> yeah, no, we. I don't. I don't think it's. I, I, that was a kind of a, a difficult question for me to answer because I, I think for me, I actually do expose, not expose myself. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Communicate my real needs to people that you know aren't going to betray you, or you know, you know, you know. But but even then, sometimes, like I know, even my one of my closest friends, or even my husband, if there's something that I you know need to hear, or you know, I, I don't always tell them. You know, I don't always go to them. You know, but I guess it just shows that we actually just need to go to God for that, not. Another person. Another person yeah. mm. And I think um, that do we expose, I think it depends on who they are, how, like we mm. said, how much we trust them. Um, so people, well, this is certainly for me, people we don't fully trust or relate to on a superficial level, we won't because we fear rejection, like you said, Debbie, that their opinion could change. Um, maybe we fear they're going to think we're really needy or weak or whatever. And 
Um, but, you know, I also had a little bit of chuckle with this one because this, this problem here as well comes in and often um, when you're newlywed, newly married. <laughs> and I guess it can come at any stage, but where we don't communicate our needs. And, and I think particularly for women, we just want them. We want the men to just get it, to just know. We want them to perceive our need and to volunteer to meet it. And, you know, how many, how many wives um, have moaned about their husbands who, by the way, are actually completely wired totally differently <laughs> Um, and on top of that, to compound it, you can come from two totally different upbringings. So what you maybe saw your dad doing at home, they might have had an absent dad or no dad, and so they haven't learned to do those things. They haven't had it modelled. And then, you know, you're expecting that from them but not communicating it to them. So let's say, for example, my dad always took out the rubbish bins or whatever, and let's say I married someone who, who just, you know, didn't have that modelled or whatever. No, I mean, you know, obviously... You, but you need to talk it. So yeah. you might just be assuming he's going to do these things, and he doesn't. And he's like, well, why can't you do it or whatever? But, you know, so that's where the communication comes in. You need to actually talk. And, and I know for women, I've heard it and I've done it myself, we just want our men to know instinctively what we're thinking and what we need. You know, I don't want to have to tell him. He should just know. But, you know, they don't think like a woman, and we often put that on. We want them to think in the same way that we do, um, you know, and, and we don't give them credit when they don't. And I think poor men sometimes get really confused because they can't think like we do. <laughs> They're not capable of doing that, and you know, because they are wired differently. It's not a bad thing. And, um, you know, so they might say, what's wrong? Nothing. But they know something's wrong, but, like, you're not communicating, and so it's that whole confusion. And on the other hand, we're like, I don't want to have to tell him. I just, he should just know, you know. So, yeah. or, we, or we try and tell them, and we're, we're saying things like, I just, I can't, that's how it comes out, you know, because you can't get your own thoughts in order to just tell them what you need. Or you hint around it. If you've yeah. done that, hint around it, and, like, you know, I'm, like, trying to say this, and I'm, like, just come out and say it straight because I don't, you know, I know you're trying to get at something, but I don't know what. So I think that, yeah, it's really important, hey? <laughs> it sure is. And it's, like, another way that we can sort of be a bit manipulative, too. Yes. <laughs> hmm. Especially that as well with, um, you know, they're not doing what you want or whatever. And so you get like, and then they're like, what's wrong? Nothing, you know, and you don't want to tell them or whatever. And, yeah, as you say, that's wrong, isn't it, as well? You, yeah. yeah. All right. So let's go on to Galatians 5.1, which is awesome. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Oh, so Lena's pointing straight to me, and I'm like, oh, where's my Bible? I wanted to read something else. Um, yeah, I just want to, in, in that quote that she's just read, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free, and do not let yourself. I, I want you to notice those words, do not let yourself. You know, there's action in there, so, um, you know, it's a conscious choice that we can make. And, and that do not let yourself be burdened by a yoke of slavery. You know, Christ has set us free, and one of the things he set us free from is that fear of man. And so, um, as we've mentioned, we need to make sure that our, we place our identity in Christ because, you know what, whatever, and this goes to that, you know, um, yoke of slavery, whatever controls you is your master and you become enslaved. And if other people's opinions of you matter more than what God says, then you actually are under a yoke of slavery mm. because, um, you know, their approval or their disapproval is what is going to be driving all your actions and your decisions 
And uh, if we if we look to um, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 23, it says as well that you were bought at a price and don't become slaves of human beings. And that again is talking to that fear of man. I mean, that fear of man is huge, isn't it? And, and mm-hmm. as we mentioned before, is just, you know, letting other people's opinions be your motivating factor and the thing that drives you. And that is actually putting yourself under slavery. If we look at Romans 8 verse 15 as well, it says here that... Um, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. So, um, you know, I think it's really important that we, yeah, we just um, don't let ourselves come under that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love so much of this truth is here it is. You have this already and it's your choice whether you live it or not. It's not like there's nothing that stops us from... From just being free, like we see, you know, sometimes we feel trapped by our circumstances, our past, you know, things like that. But it's like there, free gift. You have it. You can just do it. You, you're not trapped by that. It's just your choice. And I think what you're saying is important. There, you just have it. It's a free gift, so it's not something we strive and earn. And I think too often we, you know, I know in past years I've found myself saying, I can't help it. I don't want to be like this or whatever. But as you say, Lena, it's all about choice, isn't it? It's just that choice to accept the truth. And yeah, you can't, you know, strive and work for it. Mm. Got anything to add, Debbie? Yeah, I just, yeah, I just like, you know, the. You know, we've been set free to live a free life. We've we, that's already happened. You know, we have this. Yeah, the, I I don't know any person that wouldn't like the idea of just having complete freedom for their life. And but then I love the next part in that first verse that says, "Stand firm." So it's telling us we have to take a stand. We have to do something about it. Put your foot down and decide not to let it burden or harness us. So I like that harness because if you are under fear of man or people's opinion or identity and think that harness is restrictive, isn't it? Mm. Holds you back. So that's mm. really a good word, yeah. Because one of the things that I wrote down was, in all honesty, who wants to live in fear? Yeah. Because yeah. like Lena said, it's our choice. We we have to decide. And, and you know, I think as well um, that that's the whole thing Christ has set us free. And like you said, it's already done. It's there. And I think often we maybe spend too much time focusing on ourselves and all our issues and all our problems and, you know, it may be in the guise of, oh, I'm trying to learn how to get free or whatever, when it's already accomplished and, and we've got to actually maybe take our eyes off ourselves and just keep them up, you know, where it's just all about Christ and what he's done and so we walk out from that point instead of just trying to fix ourselves or get free or whatever because it's already done. But I think if you can get into a trap of doing that and focusing then, you know, you feel there's always something you're going to be dealing with because you're trying to fix yourself and it's already all done. Mm. Yeah, sometimes it can be a bit of a sickness almost. A, you know, it can be a real excuse stopper for us to stop. You know, it stops us from living in the freedom and in the, the big sort of story and the, and the calling God has for us because we just sort of shrink ourselves down to our worldview of us mm. and mine. And that's the thing, and that's where but will come in for the scripture as well, because the scripture says this, so we have no but, but if we try and sort of, yeah, but I can't help this or whatever, it's, you know, that's where we, we come into problems if people are really pushing on your beliefs and whatever, like it doesn't matter, the word says this, you have to live according to that, you know, so it takes, strips all of that away, doesn't it? Mm. 
All right, so we've got a bit of a, like a, a mid-podcast challenge for everyone um, while we're talking about this is we just like, um, even if you just want to pause the podcast and have a think um, now about, think about an area where you feel particularly defensive or, or prickly when, you know, people disagree with you or they hold a different opinion to you and just have a think about that and really examine why it is that you might get so defensive or prickly over this. And, you know, that's often an indication as well of something that maybe you need to deal with. And, I mean, it's like you say, it's good for us all to do that from time to time, you know. Um, I might find myself getting particularly defensive over something and thinking, okay, what's going on here? Why am I so defensive? Because, really, if I've got my identity fully rooted in Christ, I can still have people disagree and still, you know, be all right with it. So, Mm. yes, it's really good, a good practice if you keep... And often there's one thing as well that you'll keep, you know, it will keep coming up and you'll keep reacting in a certain way. And, and so, yeah, it's good to really look at that. And ask the Holy Spirit as well to help you um, to see why you keep responding in that way. All right. So do you think who you are is determined by what you do or is what you do determined by who you are? Well, it should be the latter, shouldn't it? Mm. It should be um, what you do is determined by who you are. But I think that's the whole concept of that um, wrong identity or the you know the, the, the wrong self-worth is where we actually decide what we do is who we are and, and that's where we get it from. And, you know, so you can have the mentality that I'm a sinner, grace, you know, saved by grace, which we are. But if you keep focusing on that's what we talked about a minute ago, focus on who you are. Um, uh, you know, it focuses on what you're doing and so because I've sinned or because I've behaved like this, whatever, and so you just constantly feel condemned and, and you feel in a low sense worth. Instead of focusing on who you are, you're an overcomer, you're a warrior, you know, etc. And yeah, so so for lots of people, as we said earlier as well, your identities and what you do. I'm a mum or I'm a teacher or my sister or I'm whatever. Yeah, I... Knowing, yeah, knowing who who I am in Christ determines what I do, um, but that hasn't always been the case. <laughs> and there's still sometimes that you do think the other way around too. But the world looks, the world, you know, tells us the opposite, doesn't it? It it tells us that uh, it, it'll look at what your job is or your lack thereof, or and judge you by that or the way you handle yourself as a mum or a teacher or. A, worker or student or wherever you're at you know so you know I there's there's you know days where I struggle that of the way people look at me or things that they might think because I'm a stay-at-home mum you know that what do you do or you know and even that comes back to at the end of the day when my husband walks in the door and looks at the house and goes this is a mess yeah (laughs) I'd clean the house three times but you know (laughs) but you know yeah we really need to just remember who we are in Christ so that that And I determines. think what you said is important there, Debbie, Debbie, as well. It does change because, you know what, um, as much as we want to increasingly walk um, by the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, we still have our flesh and there are times when we default to that and we walk in the flesh and those were the days when you would be, you know, your, your yeah. focus would come off Christ onto yourself and that's where, so again, your identity might, you know, be in what you're doing or whatever. And it's important, like you say, to just keep looking up to Christ and what it is in him um, and not default into that but we do certainly do that what do you say Lena? 
I say I want to talk about 2 Corinthians. Yep. So we look at 2 Corinthians 5.17, but I, I'm just going to read um, verse 16 as well to give you a bit of context. Consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view in terms of natural standards of value. No, even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint and as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, the previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. So what is that actually saying, girls? Well, it's saying that you've got no excuse. You know, we were talking earlier about choices and you have a choice and whatever and, and we come up with excuses why we can't adhere to the word or live according to that. But we have, that's clear, we have no excuse to hold on because we do have that new nature. And it's really about just choosing to walk out of that, isn't it, instead of walking in the flesh. So it's thousands of little choices probably every moment, every day. Yeah. Mm. I love that, you know, the fresh and new has come. Mm. It's like a new, new, I just love that word, fresh. It's and, and think about what we're saying in terms of, um, you know, those pretensions and those arguments that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. The minute you stand there and say, I can't help it. If you're a born-again believer, you can't help it because the Bible says you have been given a new nature. So that statement, um, you know, and I just point this out because I think it's helpful if you find yourself in that just to counter it with the word. So that statement saying, oh, I can't help it. That's how I am or that's how my family was. No, this is what the word says. That's a lie. Mm. And you're just ingraining yourself into that, that behavior and that mindset. And regardless of what kind of upbringing and or whatever you've believed previously, you know, it, it's saying, you know, the old is gone, the new is here, and we're a new creation. So the past slate has been, that's gone, that's wiped. You, you can't take it back. You can't, you know, try and live in that past state. You're still, you're, you're a new creation. It's totally different from the, from that day, Dot, yeah. And, and I was um, talking about this earlier with you, Lena, about just how... Um, like you're saying, the past is gone. And, and often we, you know, we're not the walking wounded. Yes, we may have had certain things in our upbringing, things done to us, but the bottom line is Christ, as you said, that new slate, the past is gone. What we actually struggle with and have to deal with is just those learnt behaviour patterns and yeah. habits. So the truth is in us, the, you, you know, the new slate is there, the new nature is there. We've just got to change those behaviours that have become habits. So the new nature is there. Just because we're getting tripped up on our behaviour patterns, we often think, oh, we forget that that's there, and yeah. just or we use excuse. Yeah. Good. All right, so I'm going to read a quote from Neil T. Anderson. I believe it's from his book, um, Who I Am in Christ, or Devotion. The most important belief we possess is a true knowledge of who God is. The second most important belief is who we are as children of God because we cannot consistently behave in a way that is inconsistent with how we perceive ourselves. And if we do not see ourselves as God sees us, then to what degree we suffer from a wrong identity of who we really are. And I'm going to read that last sentence again so it makes sense. And if we do not see ourselves as God sees us, then to that degree we suffer from a wrong identity of who we really are. 
So, the most important belief we possess is a true knowledge of who God is. Do we have this down pat? No, and I think if we go back to that quote um, just briefly, um, it's talking about beliefs, right, belief systems, and then it goes on to say that you're not going to consistently or be able to maintain behavior that is inconsistent with what you believe. And that's what we've talked about because what you believe and what you think determines your behavior. So if you have got wrong beliefs, you may be able to, you know, behave in a certain way for a certain time, which I like to call behavior management or modification, but it's not actually a change. So, um, you know, I think we, we don't have this down pat because often we doubt God's heart towards us, don't we? And we, we can struggle to to trust him and, um, you know, we often even project that characteristics of earthly parents or even people what people do to us onto God yeah. and so we strive in trying to work out etc and, and so deep down there's trust issues so yeah we don't I think often we don't have that down pat the, the true knowledge of who God is and really actually believing it mm. yeah I know I, I catch myself in that all the time believing that God is like like my earthly father or or people Mm. And the Bible says as well that God is not a man. And so we have to counter that as well, where we find ourselves starting to, you know, oh, can't trust men or whatever, they all let you down or they do this or that. We have to know God is not a man and just bring that truth in there. Yeah. Are there any specific areas that um, really struggle with you girls? I know that, you know, I really struggle with that concept of that just that free and unconditional love that that real father heart that you know gentle and kind that's you know something that i really struggle with that right at the heart of that you got any examples David? anything well what have you written there anyway your thoughts are valuable to us <laughs> well what? when i first read it i was thinking oh i think they should be but oh dear my, i really don't um you know i don't have this sorted <laughs> And and quite often you can think, oh, everyone else must have this sorted, but I really don't, you know. And I, I know there's been times when I've even said that to my husband. I'm like, everyone else seems to have this whole, you know, they know God so well and I just feel like I'm missing something, <laughs> you know. But I'm still learning. It's a growing process. So, but. And I think that's why it's mm. important we talk about it because we've mentioned this before that, you know, we do think, oh, everybody's not as crazy as me or not that I'm calling you crazy, but... Um, it's okay, you know what I mean? and, and it's good because talking actually um, sort of breaks the isolation where, oh, I'm not the only one who thinks like this. And as you say, mm. we don't all have it sorted, but we've mm. all got our masks on, haven't we, that we can, you know, appear to have it all. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think an example, Lena, to get back to what you were asking that I, I would have is don't expect. And that's one of the things I project on to get to God. Don't expect and you won't be disappointed. Mm. And if I really... You know, obviously I am growing in my knowledge of God and, and should always be growing. But, you know, really, if you really have that knowledge down pat and, and really believe it in your heart as well, then, you know, you wouldn't have any of that, would you? You would expect because he's a God that loves you and, you know, yeah, it's what's good to you. Yeah, I find myself so often my husband would be like, well, have you have you prayed about that? I'm like, oh, no, I haven't asked God. So that mm. if I don't ask him, then there's and no that's disappointment. What James says, <laughs> if you don't ask, and then also I think as well, um, you know, my expectations maybe not something that I should be asking, or you know, it's not always something that's maybe good for me or whatever. And so, um, you know, if you sort of not getting it met or whatever, then you might like 
that entrenches, oh, well, you see, God doesn't answer whatever, but he does. But to, but to get to the point of realizing he knows more than me, he's wiser than me and whatever. So, um, you know, he's, his heart towards me is good. Mm. So the second most important belief is who we are as children of God because we cannot consistently behave in a way that is inconsistent with how we perceive ourselves. What do you think, Debbie? Totally true. (laughs) If I know who I am in Christ, which I'm still learning more of, I'll behave like that. But if if we don't have any idea of where we're grounded, we'll be trying to be this person and that person and never knowing who we are or, or having purpose. Um, if you don't think much of yourself, then trying to pretend to be someone who is confident and isn't clearly isn't going to work. <laughs> so, And it's going to be exhausting as well. So, yeah. yeah. yeah that's a really good um, good example. And that where you're talking about you won't be grounded, you know, it makes me think of that scripture about a double-minded man, you know, and he's never going to mm. receive from the Lord and you're sort of fluctuating all the time and... Yeah, and as I said earlier, your beliefs, I agree with that statement definitely because your beliefs, your behaviours come from your belief. Yes. And as you said, Hopefully. Debbie, if you don't know who you are, believe who you are, um, then you, you can't, yeah, change your behaviour. And if you don't change what you think, you cannot maintain behaviour changes. And this is where the whole New Year's re- resolution thing comes in, doesn't mm. it? That you, you know, decide, oh, I'm going to change this or whatever. But if you have not changed your thinking, then you can only do those behaviour changes for a little while and then you're just going to, you know, you can't sustain them long term. Mm. And, and that short term is actually just behaviour management or modification. It's not actual real change. And, you know, I think that's where often people get it the wrong way around. They try to change their behaviour to change their thinking, but it doesn't work that way. The Bible is clear. It's the other way around. Change your thinking and that will change your behaviour. Yeah. All right, we might wrap it up there unless there's anything um, that you wanted to say. Good. Cool. All right, thanks for listening, guys. Um. We'll uh, talk more next week about about rejection and strongholds. But for now, if you want to get in contact with us, you can jump onto our website, life-house.net, or you can check us out on Facebook um, if you look for Lifehouse Ministries. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.